This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. B-L-E-A-V, Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. We are 11 days away from the Vikings regular season kicking off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But now we have a 53-man roster, an initial one or a final one, whichever adjective you want to uh, use, an initial one that is constantly changing. That came, that was dropped into our laps about 3.30 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday. So I'm going to go over it with Brian McKinney, Sal Spice, and Ron Saw tonight, asking them for their, their surprises. What stood off the page on the final 53-man roster for these 2023 Vikings? First, however, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and even some NFL futures. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to wager, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use this promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, BLEAV, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Roster cuts are in the rear view, at least the big batch of them. And we have a initial 53-man roster. Some will call it the final, but it's always in flux. And I want to get the group's takes, their impressions on the on the 53-man. And I'm going to start with Ron. Something, Give me something that stood off the page that you didn't foresee, that you enjoyed or disliked, whatever you got. Um, I think the most surprising thing to me is the thick safeties. Um, and... You know, I was happy to see, um, man, um, the names, the Najee, um, the Thompson. cornerback, the special teamer. Yeah, um, I was excited to see him make it just because of how he flashed. Um, otherwise, I don't think much surprised me with the initial cuts. Like, I know last week I said it wouldn't surprise me if we had eight offensive linemen, and that's what we had. Mm-hmm. I know they added a couple guys today, I think, practice squad, um, Quisenberry, and then... Uh, um, Hakeem, um, something from the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I like that they have depth there and I also like they're not clogging down roster spots with players who are going to be inactive. Um, like we talked about last week on, uh, um, on the offensive line. So nothing real surprising. I guess the biggest was the biggest surprise was Rager being cut today, um, mm-hmm. to make room for, for Gaskin, I guess. Um, but um, all in all, it's, I think the guys who stood out, um, you know, Nick Muse, he, took his opportunity and ran with it and made the team. It was good to see that happen. Um, and then the, the depth on the D line, um, you know, losing the, the gopher kid. Um, I don't know if he's back on the practice squad or not, but notably uh, he was um, not. Okay. So some of that's interesting. And, uh, especially with letting Blacklock go who they trade, like seemed like they're open to bring in guys that haven't done well at other places. Uh, but then not tied to them that, oh, we have to keep them because, you know, we traded for them. They they seem to be uh, willing to cut the ties um, 
as needed. So, um, I mean, on paper, I think it looks, uh, I like the, the balance that they have. Um, I guess we'll see what other moves take place uh, in the near future. Yeah, he wasn't, Kwesi Dafamitsa wasn't afraid this this cycle, I guess year two on the job, to say goodbye to Ross Blacklock, Jalen Rager, uh, Vidarian Lowe with the trade. Um, so you can look at it two ways. Either he was foolish for making those moves to begin with, or he's smart enough to you know move on and realize this hasn't worked as I envisioned, so I'm going to change on the fly. I guess it kind of depends on how what your pre-existing opinion of, of him is to begin with. Uh, Sally, what's one thing that stood off the page for you, roster cuts? Well, I would like to say first that I do think um, it's it's a lot different than the Rick Spielman who would hold on to picks for a long time <laughs> trying to prove that he was right and get them to work out. He was definitely a lot more patient than it seems like so far Kwesi is. I would much rather somebody just admit that they made a mistake and move on with it. I think the most surprising thing, and there weren't too many things, but was uh, that Luigi was cut. I thought that he would make the team and that um, obviously we know that they love Andre Carter the second, but I was surprised for him to make the team over um, Luigi because I thought that maybe he would clear waivers. It would be possible that he could join the practice squad. So that was the most surprising thing to me. Yeah. The only theory there is that they either had it on good authority or paranoid that Andre Carter would have been scooped um, during the mm-hmm. waiver process. And then he's pretty much lost forever. That's the only thing I can figure out because Valane clearly outplayed Andre Carter to our eyes. Uh, but I, every year I learn all over again that preseason performance doesn't necessarily translate to a roster spot. I, wasn't Luigi, was that your pick for Mr. Mankato? No, Ivan Pace was. Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like you were talking about Luigi the other uh, recently on here. Uh, given him praise, but oh, I certainly was for that first preseason. I call them the MVP of the the preseason defensively. Oh. Yeah, because okay. he's getting a lot of playing time. Uh, and then we we probably should have learned when they lost the final preseason game. He was on the field a lot, and usually that's not a good omen if you're playing in the third preseason game. Um, but yeah, I was glad to see him back on the practice squad. Um, I've got a list of a bunch of stuff that was surprising to me. I'm not sure if you guys will have more after this, uh, but I'll ask you here in a second. The biggest thing to me that stood out was three UDFA rookies made the team. We got so used to Ivan Pace being good in the last month. It was a foregone conclusion. He was going to make the roster. Well, if you take a step back, that's a big damn deal that the guy could possibly start um, or at least get meaningful playing time. And then Andre Carter, even though he didn't set the world on fire like Pace did, still made the 53-man and now one of our uh, new favorite lovable dudes and Najee Thompson, who uh, will play special teams, uh, you know, initially, how many, we, it was like 20 minutes. We thought he was waived. Somebody got their yeah. wires crossed. And that's really when I, when I went in on my, my mental tirade of about preseason, not even mattering. Cause if that guy can't make the roster and he was waived, mm-hmm. why do we even watch these things? Uh, but yeah, I think the biggest, the, the biggest thing for me was the fruition of three UDFAs, Quasi UDFA is making the team. And I think that's just because I get so bogged down in hearing about how, oh, Andrew Boo is going to be a bust and Lewis Seed is going to be a bust. Quasi's in over his head. But then we, we were, were skittish to give him credit for these UDFA fines or, you know, unearthing Caleb Evans from the fourth round. Uh, so I'm encouraged to know. I think we can kind of establish a, like a little, a little party after the draft each time Quasi's in charge to say, who's he going to get UDFA? Because there's usually somebody who stands out. Last year it was Valaine. And then this year, even more than Valaine is Ivan Pace. Ron, did you cover all yours in one swoop? 
Um, <laughs> no, not necessarily. Um, I guess like uh, you, you just touched on Ivan Pace, like, <clears throat> and the rest of the UDFA's. <clears throat> um, I know, like Ivan Pace was that big name when they signed him. That um, the knock on him was just that he's a little too small. But mm-hmm. like, last I checked, that never stopped London Fletcher, Zach Thomas, those guys that. Um, you know, our Hall of Fame worthy, if not in the Hall of Fame. Because um, if you can play, you can play. And I think he proved um, during the preseason that him being undersized, if anything, it just gives him more leverage because he was taken on, like, you would see him just take on guards and explode them. And that, to me, was exciting to see because we all know he has the sideline-to-sideline ability. And, um, I mean, the fact that he didn't play in the last preseason game. Like I can, I can't remember an undrafted free agent ever not playing. Like even at the very least they're playing, like they made the team, but they're still playing because they don't want other guys to, to get reps. And, uh, and I think that's great on his part. I'm sure we're getting a better version of him as well, because I'm sure he's got that chip on his shoulder that he wants to prove everyone wrong as anyone who's ever doubted would be. So um, I am excited to see that. And then, yeah, Sally, to your point with Andre Carter, um, I think there must have been something out there that – because he was wanted um, after the draft. I know there was a bunch of teams interested, and that's why we gave him more money. So I'm sure, yeah, Dustin, you touched on it. There's probably probably some rumblings like he's not going to make it through – through the to the practice squad and thank god um luigi did because I'd, I'd be surprised if he's not if we don't see him um get meaningful reps this year um if not for us someone else might pluck him so and then shout out to, to Najee thompson because that's uh the way the kid plays like you know and i think i saw something on social media where he was never a like a star corner or anything this is how he made his name and if he goes out there like matthew slater for the patriots just He's a wide receiver, but he's never going out there on wide receiver sets. And this is his claim to to make the league and to stay and to stick. I mean, good for him because uh, you don't get too many guys that have uh, that nose for the ball as gunners. You're on mute, Dust. Oh, boy. Once a month, that gives me. The thing about Ivan Pace that I find so fun is, let's say he was an inch and a half taller or two inches taller. If he was the Vikings' first rounder, we'd be all excited right now. We'd be like, yeah, we really nailed this pick. But he wasn't even drafted. And now, just because like the three of us on this panel follow Vikings so intently, it's like, oh, yeah, Pace is awesome. He's going to. But th- if you if you step back and realize this isn't some first or second rounder that we're like, come on, baby. This is just some guy that was hanging out after the draft too small and uh, the University of Cincinnati he was a machine there. So I, I like the perspective of knowing that this guy, especially after Adam Thielen just left, you know, we're all craving another fairy tale. And I, th- I think pace to an extent, I mean, he's still got to play some regular season games, but I have no anxiety that he's going to translate over there just fine. I'm just hoping, and Sally, you might love this reference as well. I'm hoping he's the Vikings version of Nazarene. Just, <laughs> you know, just becomes that fan favorite and just exactly. falls out. <laughs> Love Nas Reed. He was at the fair today. Oh, I saw. Really? Mm-hmm. I saw his dog too. Right, his dog was there. Him. That's not allowed. I saw him take pictures with the dog. I researched this. That's not allowed. <laughs> oh, I'll have to look at that. I didn't even. I've never seen his dog. Well, I should look into it. His dog. <laughs> and then uh, Kirko was there in a twins hat. I saw that before we got on the show. Yeah, what's going on with that guy? He's been like reborn. Yeah, he's having the the summer of a lifetime. From in, yep, the NFL top 100. What was he number 42? The Netflix show, the handlebar mustache. This is this is his summer. 
It is. It seems uh, I've never seen um, anyone, I guess, revamp their image and win over <laughs> so many people in such a short Started with, started with you last year <laughs> you know i guess it did start with me last this did start last year didn't it i think the candle yeah. is what did it uh the candle um i told this so i did ted glover's podcast like a month or so ago sure and i lit the candles like for the background and so i had the victor candle and i had the kirk candle and i you know did the podcast i come into my guest room the next night and the can- I'm like, why does it smell like that? The Kirk candle was still burning 24 hours later. <laughs> so I think that's a good sign. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good sign. It's a durable cannibal, can- candle for a durable dude. Exactly. He will not be burning out <laughs> what this else? season. So what else the- for you, Sally? Stood off the page. Um, well, let's see. I was relieved that both um, Kane and uh, Naylor made the roster. I know that wasn't necessarily surprising, but maybe that had something with the new IR rules. I thought, you know, depending on how severe their injury was, maybe they wouldn't take the risk. So that was um, good to see both of them make it. Also surprised by the four tight ends and um, what? Oh, and I was initially surprised by six wide receivers. Obviously, that changed. Um, with Rager being released, I'm I'm disappointed that he didn't make the team. I know he still ha- made a lot of mistakes in camp at running the wrong routes and stuff, but I just really wanted it to work out for him. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be a fairy tale like we just mentioned with Ivan Pace, but it would be just a good redemption story, I, I think, for it to have worked out. I think most of us wanted that because uh, he did a good job at training camp in that first preseason game. The last thing it, memory had of him was the Colts game when you know a good dude didn't know what he was doing, causing interceptions. And I think most or a lot of us were like, yeah, who cares if they bring him back or not? Certainly declined the fifth year option. Uh, but then he won us back over this summer. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's just because we gave him the benefit of the doubt for a full offseason with the same program and actually having an offseason with the Vikings. And then we even had the teaser of having a, a sleep, an overnight where he was on the team. And then you wake up to the news that uh, we'll talk about Miles Gaskin in a moment. Um, the other big one, in, in case you guys don't have any more, that I want to say it's really weird, but nobody nobody's going to complain, is that they kept six safeties. And yeah. that is a lot of safeties. Uh, I was on a show this morning, uh, a radio show, <laughs> And I was telling them, if I came on your show and said they had five safeties, that would be a lot. And no, they have six. So the way that they incorporate five of those or six of those, however however many are in the rotation, just enhances this mystery that's going to culminate when we watch this first game of the Brian Flores defense. Because like, what on earth? How can there be a role for six safeties? Unless two of them just flat out don't play. Um, it seems like that's a lot of dudes to intermix in your defense. And maybe Theo Jackson just does special teams, or maybe it takes a while for Scene to get in the mix. But it's a lot of dudes at that spot, and I think it's it's going to be real fun to figure out, is Metellus going to play the slot cornerback, or is Jay Ward really indeed going to play the slot cornerback? Because it seems if they're going to keep six safeties and not put them on the cornerback part of the depth chart, then there's going to be a lot of hybrid and, and crossover action. All right. Yeah, well, I think that's yeah, uh, like <clears throat> that, that hybrid part that you mentioned. Like that 
seems like it's the a cog in Brian Flores' defense is just having <clears throat> versatile chess pieces to play a lot of big nickel um, and maybe even having um, them play pseudo linebackers. So um, maybe I don't know if that's going to be Harrison Smith because he's probably the biggest of the bunch or one of those other guys working their way in there. But um, it's never too bad to have versatility in uh, in this type of defense. The other thing that we uh, touched on briefly that we're circling back to to make room or excuse me, uh, the reason Jalen Rager no longer is employed by the Vikings and will probably be be claimed by somebody tomorrow morning is that Miles Gaskin uh, a Nikki was basically about a RB five on the Dolphins who have a lot of running backs, or at least they did until yesterday. He joined the Vikings and because Kanae Wangu is hitting the IR, he will be the Vikings third running back instead of Dwayne McBride with the practice squad. And he was the, the guy that I think fantasy football players know from the 2020 season, Gaskin sprung up out of nowhere. Uh, and I think he had about a thousand yards from scrimmage and seven or eight touchdowns. And then he was just kind of lost in a shuffle of Miami dolphins running backs. But now he'll play for the Vikings. And I don't know how many snaps if, we, if he'll be like that Abdir, Amir Abdullah type uh, what the plan is, but he certainly is more uh, popular and noteworthy depth than Abram Smith or Aaron Dykes could have provided. Uh, those two uh, hit the the waiver wire or flat out release. I can't remember which one it was, but Sally, the Gaskin move. Do you think that he'll see some playing time on the field or you think that's just sheer depth? Well, depth they definitely need at that position, but I, I think we'll have to see how the, how the season plays out. Hopefully there will not be any major injuries, but the running backs, unfortunately, they get pretty beat up. So he might be a rotational guy and maybe he can help them out um, at third down or, you know, rotating out with Madison. I think it's important that um, Brian Flores was a head coach there when uh, when, you know, mm-hmm. he was he was doing well. So obviously he liked what he saw from him. And I'm sure he had a lot. His input had a lot to do with bringing him on the team. So um, that says a lot for me Have you told that he us- believes in him. Have you told us, Sally, this offseason what your temperature is on Madison as the RB1, probably getting about 65, 70% of the carries? Or do you love that, like that, right in the middle? I liked it a lot. I think mm-hmm. that they were spending way too much money um, on Cook's contract for a long time. I didn't like the extension from the beginning. And, uh, you know, Cook was hurt a lot, or and Madison came in, and I thought he did a fine job. It wasn't that much of a drop-off in the last two seasons I didn't feel. So I really liked the move. I mean, I wish that they maybe had somebody behind him that had a little more experience or um, that wasn't, I guess, such a drop off, but maybe now that maybe now they do have that. So I, I like him being RB one. And then how do you think? What do you guys think? Uh, I, so I, I started to think right when the season ended that Madison might be back because in the end of season press conference, Kirk said that he wished Bradbury and Madison would be back. And usually if your QB one says stuff like that, the team will listen, at least this regime and my perception would listen. So I started to warm up to the idea before it happened. And then, yeah, I, I certainly don't think at the peak of his powers that he's better than Dalvin. I don't think anybody does, but time and time again, for what, 12 years running um, NFL history has shown is you don't need an expensive running back or even a really productive one to win a Super Bowl. It's so weird, especially for, I think all three of us grew up in an era where you had to have Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders. That's just the way you built the football team. And now it's like, yeah, it's cool. Just go get LeGarrette Blunt for our Super Bowl run. Super Bowl run will be fine. So I think 
bringing Madison and then the side dish of exactly uh, Chandler, it's more aligned with how teams have won Super Bowls. And so, you know, we don't have mm-hmm. to worry about all this money sucked up in a position that is becoming more irrelevant uh, by the day. Exactly. And I love that you referred to him as a side dish. <laughs> So I'm probably I'm definitely going to steal that. But yeah, I agree with you. That's why the Cook uh, extension never really made sense, because the league was already trending that way before they gave him that extension. And they had a ton of money, you know, tied up there. And Ron, you you're you're pretty you're pretty high on Madison, relatively speaking, right? I, I think, yeah, the way the, the roster is constructed, the way that O'Connell wants to run the offense, um, it's <clears throat> a pass to set up the run, but you also need a capable running game. It doesn't necessarily need to be an elite running back, but um, I think Madison is um, more than proven that he can hold his own. And in a, you know, 15 to 18 carry a game type guy, you know, you can rely on him. He's good in pass pro and he can catch the ball. He's not going to break off for the explosive plays like Dalvin does, but as long as you're able to keep those, uh, the deep, the, the box free from, uh, or, you know, have those guys to have to honor that so that JJ and Addison and Hawkinson can have the room to work um, on the outside. So, um, yeah, I'm fully okay with it. And yeah, getting Gaskin, I think, you know, is that veteran experience guy that, uh, um, that could definitely, um, you know, hold his own. Yeah, I think the best way to look at it is the most recent blueprint is the Chiefs. Now, no other team has Patrick Mahomes. I get it. But right now, they have Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, who we know and love, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who seems like he's on his way out sooner than later. And it's just those caliber guys. <clears throat> not Saquon Barkley, not Christian McCaffrey. If you have those guys on your team, great. Good for you. But to win a Super Bowl, you you need a pretty damn clutch quarterback and some would say a goat in Brady and then a budding goat in Mahomes, a hot defense. And then it really doesn't matter who plays running back. As weird as that is to say out loud, that's just what the evidence suggests. And if you try to refute it, it just doesn't make sense because the leading rusher from, I think it's the past 12 Super Bowls is just usually some schmo that you're like, oh, okay, that guy had 78 rushing yards in the Super Bowl. Great. All right. One of the last things I want to ask you guys about is a popular topic from last year, but is now relevant again this week. Duke Shelley doesn't play for the Raiders any longer. And I don't think he's coming back to the Vikings. Let's get that out there because they very easily could have signed him five months ago. He said very vocally that, you know, come get me. And the Vikings were like, nah, we're good. And now we're in the same spot again with the Vikings cornerbacks where we're like, well, I guess it's going to work with Byron Murphy and a bunch of young dudes. Uh, that <clears throat> That's the that's the position that causes me heartburn. But I want to ask both of you, <clears throat> How could it be that the Bears would cast off Duke Shelley, just say, yeah, that's cool, get out of here. He latches on with the Vikings because of injuries to Dantzler, to Booth, and to Evans. He gets out on the field and makes this huge case for himself as one of the best cornerbacks for pro football focus. Then the Vikings don't want him back. And then the Raiders, who probably have the worst cornerback room in the league, don't even need him. What gives here, Sally? Can you explain it at all? Absolutely not. The only thing I, 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 you guys know, I love, I mean, everybody loves Duke Shelley. He was such a great story last year and he seemed like a likable guy. He didn't give off any vibes that he was toxic in the locker room or anything like that. And that's the only thing I can think of is that he just doesn't distinguish himself enough on the field to justify having him around, you know, there's something else negative, a negative aura about him or something. Mm -hmm. That's, the only justification I can think of because this depth chart 
And like you said, with the Raiders, he's a safer bet than a, a lot of other guys that are out there. So how is he unemployed again? And why didn't it, it was crazy that uh, it didn't seem it's, it took me by surprise that Quazy didn't figure out how to keep him last mm-hmm. year for a little more than a league minimum. So, so there's something going on. Yeah, we basically have to assume now, as bizarre as it sounds, that for about 10 games, Duke Shelley was really lucky. <laughs> that, that's the only thing that describes it. And I don't know that I can remember in this sport. Uh, I mean, we've seen it with basketball, like uh, with Lynn Sanity and all that. But I just don't understand how, and that was a long time ago, in football, how a cornerback could play so damn. And I'm not, I'm not doing homer takes here that, yeah, Duke Shelley. I mean, he was really good. And it's not, this wasn't just to my eye test. It was to the metrics, the passer rating against the PFF. And I just do not understand how, Ron, did the guy just get hot for two and a half, three months? Yeah. I I mean, we all saw him emerge in Buffalo and he, every bit was proving his worth to the team. And I don't know if it was the perception um, of how bad it was and just having any sort of any sort of pass breakup on a play, like which we weren't getting, like maybe that's <laughs> what I don't know. Uh, but yeah, from I remember him playing extremely well, and I had always viewed him as a slot guy, and he appeared to be more than that. And I don't know if it's <clears throat> similar to the Ivan Pace situation. You know, if he was two inches taller, maybe this wouldn't be a discussion. He would be on a team somewhere. I don't know if the five eight scaring people off, um, unless you're hitting like Antoine Winfield. So. It's it's weird um, because yeah, like you said, and the Raiders have a, a very weak secondary, just like kind of we have. But uh, yeah, I don't know if if they have any interest in bringing him back. But you know, obviously, those guys watching him uh, in practice every every day, you know, they see something that um, that isn't quite there. And I don't know if it's scheme wise or, or whatever. But yeah, it just didn't. Uh, it's, it it doesn't add up in some ways. I, I feel like even if he was terrible in, in training camp or in practice, compared just the experience of being so hot last year, wouldn't you somebody say to themselves, well, maybe he's just a guy that's better in games. Let's just give him a <laughs> <Right>. shot. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I have every ounce of faith that some team, whether it's tomorrow or in November, like somebody tied to Ed Donatel, like Fangio, like the Dolphins or somebody that coached in our defensive coaching tree last year, they're going to sign him and he's going to play awesome. And we're going to be like, aha, aha. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a no brainer to us. And then then it'll, finally they'll realize that, all right, this guy can play. But it's it's one of the usually you can find something like like Tally talked about, like maybe he was just a prick and he just but he never seemed like that. There's usually something underneath, like with Cameron Dantzler, we never figured out what it was, but there was certifiably something for him to be doghoused by two two separate coaching staffs in back-to-back seasons. But that didn't happen to Duke Shelley, at least not outwardly. Everybody loved him, in fact. And so it's eternally weird. All right, the very last thing I'm going to ask you guys is very basic. We are one week away from football, the Chiefs and the Lions, and then Vikings football is 11 days away. This week and next and the week after that, Sally, what about Vikings football or football in general are you most looking forward to is it the time of year? Is it a certain player? Is it tailgating? What is it? What are you excited to have back? Oh my gosh. It it doesn't even seem real that it's this soon, even though we've had the preseason and stuff. It the summer just seems so much shorter than normal for some reason to me this year. 
I mean, I'm excited to get back for the fellowship to just be around everybody again and um, have a good time. Obviously, everybody knows I love tailgating. But um, as I said, you know, a couple weeks ago, this is the most excited I've been going into a Viking season in years, just because the defense is going to look completely different. And I'm just so excited to see how that all plays out and what it looks like. I didn't know you personally in 2018. Were you pretty stoked about that? No. You you didn't like Kirk coming aboard? No. You were a Keniac? <laughs> it wasn't that I was necessarily a Keniac. <laughs> I just knew that those results were going to be hard to duplicate. Okay. Uh, the way that everything fell with, you know, Aaron Rodgers being hurt that season. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of just, it seemed like the stars were finally aligning. Okay. I was still really crushed by the NFC Championship game. And I just didn't think that quarterback play was the missing piece to get them over that hump especially with Aaron Rodgers coming back Mm -hmm. and I so I just wasn't looking forward to the 2018 season um I just I just didn't think they were going to be able to repeat that performance so So we're probably taking it back to the very beginning of the Zimmer era for the last time (laughs) you felt this excited like maybe 2015 or Uh, 2016 was hard to get excited because Teddy's knee blew out what Nine years ago well, today? Seven years ago? Uh, seven. Seven yep. years ago today. I was so excited going into that, but then obviously that changed things, especially with um, the first ever game at U.S. Bank Stadium oh, yeah. being against the Packers. And I know all of us, when that um, schedule was released, mm-hmm. had extreme anxiety. Are the Packers <laughs> going to win the very first game at U.S. Bank Stadium? Can't think of anything worse, right? So that was a lot of stress going into that, but um, I felt great before that because they had just won the division the year before. Yeah. And that was a a division that I didn't think was coming and it it felt way too early for the Zimmer Vikings to be that good. And then wouldn't you know it, but then again, that one was undone by Blair Walsh. So it was a rotten couple of months to get back to it. (laughs) It was always something. God damn it. Uh, All right, Ron, whether it's Vikings, otherwise, what's the one thing that, you know, most excited about next week? I mean, just having football back, um, obviously diehard Vikings fan, but, um, you know, having football Thursday, Sunday, Monday, like nothing's better than that. And, uh, you know, it's whether it's fantasy football or whatever sports betting, it's, uh, it pretty much consumes my Sundays. So, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, can everyone join my, um, survivor leagues on splash sports? We'd really appreciate that. We have a $10 buy-in and a $25 buy-in for options. Yeah, I, I yeah, joined, but I really appreciate my, it. I got to put my your, money down. Mm-hmm. Your girl needs to pay some bills. So <laughs> not that I'm taking your money. I'm, I'm not taking your money. I would just get a commission of um, the signups. Oh, so. perfect. But still, let's um, let's play. All right. We'll I get $7 a sign up. So if people don't really want to play, just sign up for the $10 and I'll Venmo you $10. So <laughs> <laughs> it's only a $3 loss for me. Mine is but no, the, seriously play. It'll be fun. Mine is the exact same as Ron's. <clears throat> it's the just having a football on television pretty much all the time. If I look down and I'm like, Oh shit, today's Thursday night. We got a game or, Oh, you know, it's Sunday night or it's Monday night. It's just having, having it back in general, the fantasy drafts that come along with it, the constant looking at your fantasy teams to figure out what you're doing for the fall week. It's like a completely, it's a shift in life. And then about what, three or four weeks into it, the, the, the weather starts to feel a little bit different. 
all of that. Uh, so I'm looking most forward to. And then I think on the Vikings end, it's it's r- trying to figure out probably early on if this will be Cousins last year uh, with the Vikings. Not that I not because I really want him to stay forever. It's that I am extremely excited to see what their plan will be um, if they realize that oh they're gonna. We're going to lose a playoff game and then that's it. Uh, excited to see what this young and progressive minded thinking regime will do. If it's go with Jaron Hall or if it is to trade everything for one of the tantalizing prospects in next year's draft. I don't know what happened to Brian tonight. Um, we'll have to message him and see if he'll be back. But hopefully next Wednesday he'll be back because we will, alas, be previewing Vikings Buccaneers. Anything else from you two? No, it's just so hard to believe. Yeah, it is. And the stupid weather forecast right now is 90 degrees for (laughs) that day. So, Of course it is. Yep, the first two home games are always hot. I've learned that. We have a freshly paved blacktop in the So, All right, guys, we'll talk to you in one week uh, for a preview of Buccaneers Vikings. All right? All right. Sounds good. All right, later. Skull. Skull. Good one. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.